my privilege to bring uh, the message from God's Word today. And uh, we're going to focus on 1 Corinthians yet again in our series called Messy Church. And Paul addresses a theme um, of freedom throughout this letter. And so we, we're really grateful for um, Pauline Verity for reading some portions of that. But the whole of the letter contains this theme running through it. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, a church he established, he founded, he loved, he taught, and he writes to them now to instruct them as to how to walk with Jesus. So this week's theme is freedom and freedom in Christ. I wonder what freedom means to you. It might seem a silly question for some of us who have been in lockdown for nearly two months now. But when we think of freedom, Maybe we often think of the right to act, to speak, to think as we want. We might think of personal independence, liberty, freedom to make our own decisions, to choose our own path, to do what we want to do. Our current experience for many of us is that some of the freedoms that we once enjoyed were laying aside for the good of others, for the benefit of the many. A few weeks ago, we remembered and celebrated 75 years since VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. It was a, an amazing day, a day of freedom, a day when conflict ceased. In my own lifetime, I can recall some amazing, iconic images of freedom. I remember watching as the Berlin Wall came down after 30 years they tore it down, leading to reunification of Germany, a new freedom. But the one image that, as I prepared this message, that came back to me again and again was when I was at Bible College at Spurgeon's on the 11th of February 1990, and a number of us gathered in the television room, as it was, and we watched as Nelson Mandela walked out of prison. After 27 years, he was free. Amazing scenes. I remember one of the things he said, as I walked out of the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. He had a decision to make. How was he going to live? What was he going to do with his freedom? And in a way, this is what Paul is talking about to the Corinthians. Paul himself knew what it was like to be imprisoned. Many of his letters were written from prison. Paul knew what it was like to be free. He knew what it was like to be spiritually imprisoned and he knew what it was like to be free in Christ. What does Christian freedom, what does freedom in Christ mean to you? That picture of Nelson Mandela walking to freedom could be an illustration of the gospel. Once we were imprisoned, the great hymn, And Can It Be, has those lines, Long our imprisoned spirits lay, but Jesus has set us free. We were imprisoned by our sin, we were lost without hope and without God, but God came to rescue us. He broke the chains that bound us. Jesus paid our ransom, all those images. We are saved. And we know that our salvation is not 
dependent on anything we do. We cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift of grace. Jesus died for us, for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and all the devil's plans. And by faith in Jesus, we are set free. And all of us who have put our faith in Jesus have that freedom in Christ, a new life. So Paul, writing to the Corinthians, acknowledges this freedom. He gives thanks for their salvation, but he asks this question, what are you going to do with your freedom? How will you walk now? Eugene Peterson, a great Christian author and translator of the Message Bible, wrote an excellent book on discipleship called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I'm sure Paul would have recommended it to the Corinthians. Those believers in Corinth had been gloriously saved. Many from a pagan background, Corinth was infamous for its pagan temples, its idolatry and immorality, self-centered living. But the believers had received the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had experienced the grace of God, freedom in Christ. And in a way, freedom had become a determining mark for them, a badge of honor. They had tasted and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. They had received gifts of the Spirit and they reveled in them. Knowledge and tongues and prophecy. They knew that they were not under law, but under grace. They were free. But Paul has to ask them, what will you do with that freedom? He quotes them in this letter. In chapter 6 and chapter 9, he quotes them saying, we have the right to do anything. And Paul, as their founding father, has to write to them to teach them what real freedom means. He has taught them the supremacy of love. That's in that amazing chapter 13. He has called them to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Edward spoke about that last week. Paul does affirm their freedom. Yes, you are free. That was the gospel Paul had preached. But Paul wants to remind them that freedom comes with responsibility. It comes with accountability. They're all related. They're all accessories together to live for Christ. Some in the Corinthian church had not wanted to grasp this or maybe had abandoned this. In their love feasts, in their way that they lived their lives, they had a field, failed to appreciate that discipleship involved discipline. That long obedience in the same direction, following Jesus, imitating him. And some of them were misusing their freedom. They turned their freedom, their liberty, into license. And the result was a messy church. All sorts of stuff going on. And Paul has to respond to them, and he does in this letter. Some of them were saying, we are free to say what we like. And Paul says, yes, we are free, but... We're not free to tear people down. We're not free to cause division. We're not free to cause factions. We are free to work for unity. Some were saying we are free to eat what we like. 
And this would refer to eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. That was their background, meat that was slaughtered in cult rituals. And Paul says, yes, it's true. He did not believe that that was sinful. They were free. But he also encourages them that in their freedom, they're not to look down on others who still struggled with those things. Don't use your freedom, says Paul, to cause another brother or sister to stumble. Now, we don't have that issue of probably meat sacrifice to, to idols, but if we just use another illustration, say you're inviting some folks round for a dinner party and, and you know one of those people has had problems with alcohol. You would not serve alcohol at that meal because you would be caring for that brother or sister. You would be using your freedom in a loving way. Some of you may think why we use grape juice in communion for that very reason. I remember in a, a previous church that I was a minister of, we had a man who had issues with alcohol. And so we, we made that decision to, to use non-alcoholic drink at our communion services. Some of them were saying we are free to worship without restraint. And yes, of course, to use the gifts that God has given us, every member ministry. But Paul has to remind them they're not free to, to be disorderly, not free to use the gifts selfishly. They're, they're there to build up the body. We're not free to make worship about us. It's all for the Lord. Some of them were saying about their celebration of their love feast. That was their communion. And uh, that was in the context of a, a, of a meal. But Paul hears that some of the rich were refusing to share the meal with the poor, that there was drunkenness at that meal. And Paul says, do not use your freedom to exclude others or to indulge yourselves. Don't forget whose house you're in. It's the Lord's house. Don't forget whose supper you eat. It's the Lord's supper. Don't forget whose body you honour. It's the Lord's body. Yes, you are free. Free to become more like Jesus. Some of them were saying we're free to have relationships with whoever we want. Corinth was notorious for its loose sexual culture. And that was infiltrating in the church. Yes, you are free, says Paul, but your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are free, but you are part of the body of Christ. How we behave does reflect on the body. Sexual activity is God-given, but it's put in a God-given context. It's as if some in Corinth were saying to Paul, well, what we do with our bodies is none of your business. What has it do to do with you? The result that there was immorality within the church of all sorts and Paul says that's not freedom that's returning to slavery Paul in his letters deals with that thorny issue of church discipline it's never easy for any church as Paul knew well and sometimes churches settle for either end of that spectrum either a moral indifference where there's no discipline exercised where anything goes a blind eye is turned to persistent sin, or, or the other extreme is a strong authoritarian model, what we used to call heavy shepherding, 
But neither is Christ's model. Jesus shows us a better way. Jesus came full of grace and truth. He never condoned sin, never compromised, but always offered grace. He never condemned, but called us to a new life, a life of freedom, a life in all its fullness. Yes, freedom, Christian freedom, comes with responsibilities and accountability. We are free, not just to do what we want, but to do what Christ wants us to do. We represent him. In their passion for freedom, some of the Corinthians had on occasion shut their eyes to their behavior and the effect it had on others who were looking in on their lives. Paul says elsewhere in Galatians in chapter 5 that a person who is set free in Christ would be foolish to be enslaved once again to sin. So Paul asked the question to the Corinthians, how are you going to walk? What will you do with your freedom? And we need to be honest with God and honest with ourselves and confess our need of him. Our relationship with him is of first importance and we're also called to be on mission for him. We are invited to use our freedom for the benefit of others. That sometimes means that we don't do exactly what we want, but we do what we think Christ would want us to do. I've been dismayed at some reports of some church leaders around the world who have been ignoring calls for not gathering and they've been gathering and saying extraordinary things like real Christians can't catch the virus. We know that that's not true. It's a misuse of that freedom. We are called to be a witness to Jesus, to offer the good news that Jesus came to rescue us. He has. Salvation is a free gift from him, but he calls us to walk in that freedom and serve him. Paul himself, in the readings that we had read to us, says he is all things to all men. He curtails some of his freedoms to win as many people as he can. But he never lost his bearings in Christ. And we are invited as a people belonging to Jesus to grasp the wonder and the privilege and the responsibility of our freedom. And Jesus said that to know him was to know the truth and the truth would set us free. So in conclusion, in Christ we are free. We've been set free from sin and guilt and shame. We've been set free to live a new life. Jesus died that we might know that forgiveness and that freedom. The power and the curse of sin was broken. We are free from fear, free from the fear of death. And we know that his grace is sufficient for us. If we fall, he calls us back. We've been set free to have an ongoing relationship and walk with Jesus through this life into eternity. And Jesus has set us free to be our true selves. Rather than attempting to be a second-rate version of somebody else, Jesus loves us and has called us to be the people he made us to be, to live for him. Those shackles of self-centeredness have been broken. Why would we take them up again? 
If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. So Paul calls on those believers in Corinth to walk in their freedom and to walk for Jesus. What would we do with the freedom Christ has given us? What does freedom in Christ mean to you? Who are we living for now? I want to end with a final illustration. And uh, it's about flowers. You know my penchant for gardening. And uh, when I talk about horticultural things, it's like Edward talking about football. I know nothing about the subject. But in lockdown, I've really enjoyed going for walks with Hermie. And I think I've annoyed Hermie a few times by asking her what that flower is and what that is. And she knows some, but not all. But I have appreciated the amazing blossoms in early May. The wisteria that's been out has been amazing. And the fragrance of the roses. What I want to say is that Christian freedom is a beautiful thing. It's like those plants. They can flower anywhere, given good soil. And they bloom not for themselves, but for the benefit of others. And they always look to the sun. And they give off this amazing, beautiful fragrance, the fragrance of Christ. And that's our calling. Yes, we are free in Christ and free to live for him and free to be a witness for him. May that be true of us as we walk with him day by day. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in you. We thank you that you have filled us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we can walk with you every day and we ask for your help to walk with you in truth and grace, to walk with you seeking your kingdom first. We pray for your church around the world that it may be an amazing witness to your love in these days of trial and testing that our hope in you is steadfast and certain. And so we pray that you would use this time to build your kingdom, Lord. Thank you for the freedom that you give us. Help us to use it to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.